Well, we're talking about responding in faith that requires clarity and that requires courage. So let's begin with a moment of prayer. Would you, would you bow and would you craft your own prayer just quietly? Uh, ask for clarity. Ask for God to show you what he wants to show you. Even if it's hard, ask him to teach you what he needs to teach you. The scripture is clear that we're not just to know what the word is. We're supposed to obey. And so ask for the courage and boldness to not just see what you need to do, but to respond and to act and to be faithful to it. And so, Lord, we know we couldn't be here apart from your generosity towards us. And so we pray that you would teach us just as you sat your disciples down and you wanted to teach them a powerful lesson about their hearts, about sacrifice, about the the generous life that God honors and blesses. Lord, we need to see those things as well. And so would you teach us and help us through your spirit to act with obedience, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, I want you to think for a second. I want you to try to just kind of in your own mind, think about this. Bring to mind the three most generous people in your life. So you don't have to think through celebrities or things like that. I just want to think think within your life, who have been really generous people to you? Who have modeled generosity to you? Now, my guess is is those people are coming to mind. Um, Mostly, I think what our experience is, is the people we meet who are generous are people that seem to, to enjoy life. They seem to be uh, happy and joyful. And I mean, think about it. Have you ever met a miserable, generous person? I mean, it's very rare, isn't it? It's very rare that you meet someone who's generous that is miserable. But we meet miserable, selfish people all the time, don't we? Uh, people who are selfish, who kind of hold on to everything. There, there are people we meet and we think, man, I'm just, I want to do as little time and little life with you as possible. You and I are drawn to, to generous people, not just because we get something from it, just because they're the kinds of people we want to be around. They're the kinds of people we need to be around. They're creative. They're thoughtful. They're, they, they, the way that they kind of enter into problems, there, there's something about them. But I think you and I have also experienced in our own lives when we have these moments of generosity where we feel like just we're led to do something that seems good and right, we know we feel good about it as well. There's something to it. Uh, Reggie McNeil writes this. He says, I'm not suggesting that we help others in order to help ourselves. That would be self-serving, not others-serving. He says, but it's been my experience that people who help others find themselves benefited in many ways the payoff may not uh, match the gift in kind. There may, they may give money but receive emotional award. But it always exceeds their contribution and the sense of the satisfaction it brings. I think he's right. I think there's something that we see that when we learn to live generous lives, that there's something good that comes from it. And I would say for us as Beach Point, we have said as a church that uh, living generous lives is one of our core values. We know we are at our best 
when we are living out this value of being generous people. And uh, we have, as a church, we've been in this series called Daring Faith, and, and uh, we're in our third week of a four-week series. But what we did is a year ago, we went through this, this long series called Daring Faith, where we're thinking about faith, and we're thinking about how to respond in faith. And, and our challenges were built around three things, to grow in faith, to sow in faith, to go in faith. Last week, we talked about growing in faith. We talked about learning to sit at, at, at Jesus' feet, to, to learn from him and hear him so that we knew the things that he wanted to do in our lives. And this week, we're going to talk about sowing in faith. And sowing in faith was our corporate challenge together. We wanted to think about how we could generously give to God for his purposes, for his agenda. And we knew here at Beach Point, God had called us some pretty pretty exciting but pretty radical things, things that were way beyond our, our ability, but things that we, we believed in faith that God wanted to do. He wanted to plant a church in Huntington Beach. He wanted to expand our campus that we, we needed to, uh, as the church had grown, we needed to expand and, and start to think about that uh, so that we could make room for people. But as you start to think about this, this is the one, all the other ones we can kind of talk about, it seemed like good things to talk about in church, but this is the one when you talk about it in church that people get uncomfortable about. And if you're new with us, you're thinking, great, I can't believe you brought me to the money talk. Like you're so mad at your friend right now. I knew you were up to something. I knew this is why you want to, because you're thinking, ah, see, that's how churches are. And if you're new to church or you've been burnt by church, then this is a topic where you're like, man, I just want to get out of here as quick as I can. And I want you to know you're our guest. We don't expect or want anything from you. Now, I don't want you to miss out on the blessings that as you listen to what Jesus teaches, I think you'll see that there are incredible blessings to live by if you'll live by his principles and try to see through it. So I'm not trying to say this from on the point of beach point. I'm really trying to teach you what I think Jesus teaches. But Philip Yancey says this. He writes, mostly I wish we did not think, I, uh, I did not have to think about money at all, but... I must somehow come to terms with the Bible's very strong statements about money. The truth is, we are here because of generosity. We're here because of the generosity of Jesus Christ. Apart from him who was rich, becoming poor for our sake, you and I would not be here today. We're here also because of the saints that went before us who generously gave so that we could be here and enjoy the, the, the resources that we have. And so we know that there's something about this This is important. Uh, but, but I want you to see that as uncomfortable as it can be to talk about it, there was one person who didn't have any trouble talking about it, and that was Jesus. In fact, if you begin to think about all the different times that Jesus began to teach his disciples, you see something, and this is our big idea today, that Jesus wants to develop his followers into generous givers. Now, I don't say this because I, I have any agenda, I say this because 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus teaches have to do or in some way incorporate money, possessions, contentment, wealth, greed. You think of things like, and some of them are very provocative. He, to make his point, he, he really pushes buttons. Things like, uh, you think of, of this, rich, this rich man and this beggar, who goes to heaven and hell? You think of the, the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and who is the generous person in this? The religious people that kind of walk by or the Samaritan who pff, we hate, who actually showed that. I mean, Jesus knew ways to kind of force the issue and to really make them think about God. He would say to his followers as they would listen, and he said, look, you guys worry all the time about money. You worry about possessions. You worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. But I tell you, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Trust God. 
And he'll take care of all the other things you worry about. So when it came to money or worry, he knew most of our worry in our life always stemmed back to money. And he would say, this is how you deal with it. The Bible, this is interesting, the Bible has over five, or has 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. In fact, Jesus, we even see one interaction that Jesus has with a person where this person wants to be his follower, but Jesus says, here's, the, here's what's going to keep you from come, coming with me. You got too much money. Sell it all. Give it, or give, give it all away. Give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. And it says that that young man left sad because he had great wealth. He had great possessions. He couldn't do it. He couldn't let go. And what we see is in many ways that there are, there's this, this heart issue that we have when it comes to money, and when it comes to greed, and when it comes to possessions, and when it comes to contentment, that these things grip our hearts and our lives in such a way that it can paralyze our life with God. Now, there was one time where Jesus did something fascinating. He actually, I mean, this is like your, you're like, I mean, remember your, your favorite teacher in school, how they'd just be creative and, and to teach you something in some way. Uh, Jesus does this one time. And so what Jesus does one time is he takes his disciples, they go and they sit in the court, the, the outer court uh, in the temple, and they're in the place, as the people are entering into the court, there's 13 receptacles. They all kind of look like kind of upside-down trumpets. And, and this is where people, as they were entering into the temple, they would give their offering, and then they would kind of go into the temple and continue to worship. And Jesus does this, and this time he takes his disciples and he says, grab a seat, I want to teach you something. And they sit and they begin to watch people give their offerings. So let me invite you to turn to Luke chapter 20. Now we're going to do something, more. I, I want to set up what we're going to look at. We're going to, we're going to focus on verses tw- uh, chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. But before you do that, you just need to see something he says right before that. If you need a Bible right in front of you, there's a Bible, page 1055. It's really good to follow along in your Bible. You'll see some really good things that you'll want to follow, look at, read later. So again, think about this. Luke does something interesting. Uh, we said this last week, but sometimes what we see, what Luke will point out is that Jesus would, at times, to make a point, he would take two things or two people, he'd put them side by side, and he'd say, I want you to consider these two And then what he wants to do is he wants to teach you a principle about who is the person that God is honoring or God is pleased with and who is the person that he is not. So in chapter 20, he ends it with this. He he says he's got the people listening. So while all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. And then chapter 1 begins this way. It says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, the poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put all she had to live on. 
Okay, so let's think about what Jesus is saying. So he's teaching all his disciples, and here they, the, the people have seen all the religious leaders. They're getting used to this. But he says, look, at, think about it. You watch these guys walk around. They've got these big flowing robes. They act like they're very important. They think that they deserve the best seats. He says, but you know what they do? Like he, he can see it. And, and in their eyes, he knew. You look at them, and you think these are the people God is pleased with. But let me tell you what God sees. God sees the way that they rob widows. God sees and hears how obnoxious their prayers are. And you can tell his heart is grieved. And he says, you know, it's going to be very hard for them on the judgment day. And then he takes this, it shifts. He's got his disciples, they're sitting there and they're watching the offering take place. And notice this, now think about this. The offering was done a little bit different than it is today. So they didn't stand up there and say, oh, if you want to give, give to beachpoint.com or what, you know, temple.com or uh, text giving. They didn't have paper. They had coins. So again, they have metal things. And he says, watch. What they're doing first is they're sitting there. So if you're a disciple, you're like, he's like, okay, just watch. And it says, what are they watching? They're watching the rich give their gifts. So what do you have? You don't have paper. You don't have text or any of that. You have coins. And so the rich, and what has he just been saying? People like to make a show of things. And so the rich are coming in, and they're giving these big gifts. And as they come in, imagine what that looks like and sounds like. You start hearing the... Okay, they're put, it's banging. It's like the coins start. Ding, 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 ding. All these coins going in, going in. And if you're a disciple sitting there, and you're watching all this take place... You're listening to all this. You're thinking, you know, wow, he must want to recruit one of these guys because we could use one of those money guys on our team. Like, this is off. Jesus, did you see what that guy? He's like, shh, 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 shh. You're going to miss it. And then all of a sudden, this widow comes, and it says that she has two small copper coins, or somebody says two small mites. Now, if you want to see what that looks like, you can come up afterwards on the table, and I'll show you. But here's two small mites. Right here. They're two small copper coins, and this little widow walks by, and she, I mean, you can barely hear it, barely notice it, and all of a sudden Jesus goes, There it is. Did you see it? And the disciples are like, No, I blinked. What happened? (laughs) Did you see that woman's gift? And they're thinking, what are you talking about? I, I, I saw that parade of people and all the things, and the ding, 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 ding. That's what you wanted us to see, right? He goes, no, 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 you missed it. Did you see that woman? Yeah, like, what did she give? Like, a couple, couple mites? Yes. Let me teach you about that. And he begins to teach them about it. And he says to them, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Now, now, remember that phrase, all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. For three years, he's been teaching them about generosity, about money, about the dangers of possession. And one more time, as he's just about ready to teach them the ultimate lesson in generosity, he's just about, as we will celebrate in two weeks, him giving up his life for them. He wants to teach them one more powerful lesson. So here's two things that we see that he wants to teach them this morning. Number one, a gift is generous when it is given to God for God. When it is given to God, for God. Now, 
The widow gave what was a fraction of what everyone else gave, but we see that they were giving a fraction of their wealth. They were given a part of what they had. They really weren't being generous. And what we see kind of leading up to this that Jesus was trying to, to make it clear is that there are a lot of people give out of show. They're doing it to show off. But for her, she's giving out of the right reasons, out of love and passion. Her gift is to bless God. And we can see because this gift has huge priority in her life. This is what she has to live on. But it's more important for her to give it to God than to keep it for herself. And we see that honoring God is her first priority. And Jesus notices it, doesn't he? And he notices it. Honoring God, worshiping God with her gift is her priority and Jesus notices it. This widows were, were a kind of a marginal figure in society. And here the Son of God pulls her out for all time to say, I want you all to study her because what she did is how I want you to be. So he's teaching his disciples then, but he's teaching his disciples today here now. And he has been for thousands of years. I want you to learn something about generosity. Did you notice she didn't do this to show off to anyone? She did this to give it to God for God. But second, we see this is that a gift is generous when it is sacrificial. When it is sacrificial. The extravagant giver that Jesus commends is not based on amount, but on sacrifice. Now, these coins, these coins were the smallest uh, coins that, you could, uh, that were in society. They, it, it, it added up to about uh, one one-hundredth one of a denarius, which was a day's wage. So if you think about the worth of this, this is about five minutes that you'd be paid for a day's labor if you were making minimum wage. Okay? It's, it's, it's a few cents. It's not that much. But this is the gift that he pulls out and he says, here's our teaching moment. He says, other gave out of their excess. They're not even going to miss it. He says, but this woman gave out of her poverty. It's what she has to live on. And he says, if we, if we take his words literally, when he says that she gave more than any of them, it means that she basically, what he's trying to say is, all of them put together, their gift does not equal her gift. God measures our gifts not by the size of the offering, but in the size of the sacrifice. I think of a woman in our church. Uh, we had a conversation. Uh, she was uh, living on disability, about $800 a month, and she came and she was saying, she's telling me one of the things that she was trying to practice was she wanted to give what's called a tithe or 10%, and which meant $80 a month she would give to this. And I was like, no, 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 you need that to live on. Like, don't, we'll be fine. We don't, but, she, but for her, it was a gift to God for God. And it was sacrifice to honor and to worship. And that it was important to her. And when I began to look back on it, I thought, gosh, you know what's interesting? Of all the gifts given that day, no one would have singled out an $80 gift. Except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. There are people who would give larger gifts, but no one outgave this woman because of her sacrifice. And we learned something very important that Jesus is teaching his followers is that attitude is more important than amount. Attitude is more important than amount. 
See, when the Apostle Paul began to teach a new church, so you think about as the church began to expand into areas where they didn't know God or practice things like tithing and all that stuff, this was all new to them. They had to learn, like, what does it mean to, to be the church and how do, we, how do we survive and how do we do this? And, he, and, the, and the principle that he taught was generosity, how to give, and he would challenge them to, to give. And one of the things that he would do is this. He, he said these words to a church in Corinth. This was a letter that he sent, the second, uh, 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 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says this, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at that verse for a second up here on the screen because there's a couple things that are so important. What God wants from you when you give is it for it to be given willfully. Okay, That means not reluctantly, not out of any kind of feelings of guilt, not under compulsion. He doesn't want you to feel like your arms being twisted by your spouse or your life group or your pastor or anyone else. And notice what he says. He wants it to be given cheerfully. Now, this is the one thing. Now, this is so interesting. This is one of the times in the Bible that is very clear. Where One of the few times we see where God, it says God loves something. God loves when you give to him cheerfully, joyfully. Like, it is your joy. It is your honor. It is your privilege. Like this woman. When I'm telling her, no, no, no. She's like, no, don't stop me from doing this. I want to do this. It's my joy to do this. It's my privilege. It's my honor. It's my worship to do this. And I had to get out of the way of that. Now, what I found is this. People want to do this. People got to learn how to do this. So how do we get there? How do we learn to live with daring generosity? Two, two things that I think that are important that the scriptures teach us as we learn through, as we think about the scriptures, there, there's two things. Number one is that you have to make giving a prayerful decision. You have to make it a prayerful decision. It has to be a decision between you and God. And if we've been coaching you on anything during Daring Faith, what I hope that you're hearing is what we're trying to teach you is this, is that we want you to learn as part of being a part of Beach Point to, to be with God and to, to talk with God and to listen to God and to respond to God. So again, notice 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Here, we'll put it back on the screen. So this verse again, notice. You should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So it shouldn't just be kind of haphazard. It should be thoughtful. It should be prayerful. It should be faithful. And I talked to people who had learned these kind of uh, over time, like grown up in church. My wife and I didn't grow up in church. So when I asked people, like, how did you learn how to do it? What were the things that became really important for, for them? It was thoughtful. They looked at how much money they made, how much money they had, what God had given them and trusted to them. It was prayerful. They talked to God about it, and it was faithful. Not just faithful in the sense of obedience, but they believed by giving this to God that God could use it. And they believed with faith that God could provide for them. Listen to a few of the people share about their experience over the last year as they've learned to do this. One family said it this way. They said, we took the leap. He's blessed us abundantly. We've stepped out in daring faith financially. And he continues to fill us up overflowing. Another woman wrote this. I was unsure about my future, but through much prayer, notice that line, through much prayer, I now feel a greater certainty that God knows my future, that he will take care of me. And then notice what happened out of prayer, that he gave me a real desire to be generous. Now, 
let me, I want to invite those of you. So over 300 families here have joined Daring, our Daring Faith campaign where we're helping to start a church in Huntington Beach. We're expanding our campus here. We've got some big things going on. It's kind of an over and above thing that we do over just kind of all the incredible kids ministry, youth ministry, adult ministry, all those things. But when we invited people to consider doing this, uh, and some of you are new to Beach Point in the last year. Like this is still, you're still trying to get a feel of what in the world we're talking about. After the service, you can go out in the lobby. You can kind of see the model out there. Next Sunday, sorry if I I'm confused you. Next Sunday, Pastor Ken, our pastor at the Huntington Beach Church, will be here. I'll be there. He's going to be here. He's going to preach. So you'll hear a bunch of the stories about what's going on. But if you're new to Beach Point, I want you to prayerfully consider joining the 300 families that are in with us. So here's what you need to do. Out on the patio, you can pick up a packet. Right underneath the canopy, there is a table there. You'll meet Mary. She'll give you a a booklet. And we we don't want to manipulate you. We don't want to arm twist you. We just want you to consider prayerfully joining us. And here's why. Two reasons why. Number one, we are on a 36 month journey of training in faith. Now, I want you to imagine if, if you and a bunch of your friends all decided for the next 36 months, we're getting up every week, every day, like three days a week, we're going to the gym together. If you practice that, if you were disciplined with that for 36 months, do you think your life would look different after 36 months? You would look like, okay, you would look like Doug, Okay, over there. You would look ripped. You would look disciplined. Okay, you'd have, a, you'd have like a mark body. You'd look good, a beach body. you feel good about it. If you didn't go with your friends, you would say, you would still have your couch potato body and you would go, oh, I should have gone with them. It would have been awesome. Okay, I don't want you to miss out on what's going to happen because we're going through a process where God is doing something in us and I don't want you to look and say, wow, look what Beach Point did. I want you to say, wow, look, at, look what we're doing. I want you to be a participant and not a spectator. When you hear Ken preach, I want you to be excited. Man, I can't believe we get to be a part of what God's doing in Huntington Beach. When you see the building go up, I, think, I want you to say, man, isn't this exciting what God is doing through us? I want you to be excited. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to be a participant and not a spectator. But I want you to experience something. I, I want you to join us for 36 months of growing in faith because you will learn something. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. So here's the next verse. Remember, he says thoughtfully, prayerfully, but here's why. Notice 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It'll be up here on the screen. Because God is able to bless you abundantly. Why? So that. What comes out of that? You have all things. Uh, in all things at all times, having all you need, you abound in every good work. Part of what is happening here is this. I was praying one night, and so we would take our dog on a walk, and, and, and I'd pray. And you have to imagine, this, is, this part is kind of like, it's not in my wheelhouse. This is the part that kind of stresses me out, thinking about raising millions of dollars for all these things. And I'm praying one night, and, and this, the best way I can describe it is this, kind of the simple acknowledgement of, Bill, if I wanted to, I could give you the money. This is about the next 36 months, our people learning to trust me. Lead them that way. Let, lead them to learn how to trust me. This is training in your life. This is training. And so I'm going to invite you to join us in this way. So here's what I want you to do. If you're new, or maybe you were here last year, but you just didn't make the jump yet, grab a packet, and inside there's an envelope. And over the next three weeks, I want you to prayerfully decide, as, as we're leading up to Easter, any time in the next three weeks, 
what I want you to decide, and you can decide after that, but what I want to try to make Easter is your deadline. If Easter is your deadline, I want you to consider um, joining us, figuring out what your commitment can be. Place it in the silver Daring Faith boxes out in the lobby. Now, here's the second thing. If you want to grow in this kind of generosity that God is talking about, you have to make this a growing experience. A growing experience. So the Apostle Paul did something interesting. When he was teaching these new Christians, these, this new church, he wanted to challenge them. He's, he, he challenged this church in Corinth, just as he had challenged a church in Macedonia. He said, I want you, I want to put, he was pushing them to learn to be more and more generous, which means what? They, they weren't there yet. They were learning how to do this. They were growing how to do this, and he wanted to help them grow. So here's, I want to help you grow. Let me, let me speak first to, to, um, to, to a, a, probably a lot of us here. This is where Kim and I were when we first started coming here, uh, when we were first married. The first group of people I want to talk to are, are uh, those of you who probably give 0 to 3% to the church or to any charitable causes. Now, that's what the national average is. Most people, most Americans give zero to three percent of their income to charity, uh, and it's not really different in the church. Most church members give zero to three percent. Now, most of the, sometimes this is accidental. Like, you don't even know you're doing it. It's just kind of compulsive. You do it. Um, Sometimes it's mechanical. You have great intentions. You just don't have the kind of follow through. That was Kim and I. We had great hearts. We wanted to do it, but we always forgot our money. We, didn't th- we just didn't have our life together. We were a hot mess, okay? Some of us tend to be goodwill givers. You know what I mean by that? Um, what do you give to goodwill? Your best? Your first? No, you give your leftovers. You give all your stuff that you don't want anymore. And that's kind of how we can approach something like this. Kind of whatever's left over, that's what God gets, But think about what Jesus is teaching in this principle. He's saying, look, notice. Here's the person I want you to study. Notice this widow. It wasn't the amount. It was her heart. It was the sacrifice. It was the way she approached this. So here's what I want to invite you to do. Some of you need to learn to flex this muscle. You just haven't flexed it yet. Here's a challenge for you. And I realize this is going to be a little scary for you, but I'm going to put it out there and let me walk you through it. For the next three years... A percentage of your income that would go to a weekly offering here, a percentage that would go to Daring Faith, that would equal 10%. Now, the reason why 10% is that the church, the people of God, traditionally gave the first 10% to the work of ministry. We see that all through the Old Testament. But the idea, I think, that we see in the New Testament is that it, it, it doesn't end there. It be, kind of begins there, and it kind of goes beyond. Now, this feels for some of you kind of like an aggressive first date. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take me to dinner first, okay? Let's not talk about engagement. Don't use marriage. This, like, you went from 0% to 10% really, really fast. And here's what I would say, again, for Kim and I, we had to learn some of the, these skills, and we had to learn to grow in this. That's why I'm saying. Figure out how can you start these things, start flexing these muscles along the way. Go through this process. Now, if you're new with us, there's a great... Uh, tutoring program on this. Pages 11 and 12 in this booklet will kind of walk you through an experience that will help you do it. But I want to encourage you, start flexing those muscles. Here's the second group. Some of you have been practicing this. You've kind of gotten to that place, 
and 10% is like the finish line. You're like, you like come through. It's like pour water on your face after every time the offering comes. And I would say what you want to be very careful of is what the New Testament teaches with, uh, here is not this kind of legalistic idea, but that th- we would learn to be generous. Generous. So we don't end there. We don't think that 10% is God's and the rest is mine. We think that it all belongs to God. Now, for Kim and I, this came uh, partly through, we started flexing these muscles. We went on a budget. We did FPU, which is our financial peace uh, class that you're going to see we're going to be offering here soon. We learned how to do all those things. And that first 10% was the hardest thing in the world. But once we got there, we kind of kept asking questions, things like, how can we give more, live on less? And when you start thinking through these things, budget, and you start thinking about how to live with a generous heart, this stuff makes more sense. And we found the opportunities. Last year, we were able to give away more than we ever have before. Now, some of you are learning that you can be more creative. You have opportunities through the uniqueness of your jobs or uh, just financial opportunities. But think about this. How is this not mine? As Brian said, as the scriptures teach, this is all God's. Everything I have is God's. Even the ability to make money, the, the, the scriptures say, comes from God blessing us. So here's, that's two. So here's the third group. Third group is what I would call gospel patrons. Some of you here, God has blessed with wealth. And this is a very, very challenging passage. Because again, it's about your heart, not about the amount. But one of the things that we see in the Bible that's very interesting is that um, both in the very beginning of the church and all throughout the the 2,000 years of church history is this, that every movement of God, there are the people like me maybe who are up in front talking, uh, but there are people behind the scenes you probably never have heard of who are helping because God has blessed them and they, they give in such huge, generous ways to kind of fund the ministry that things happen. In the Bible, the first person we learn about that, that's like this, his name is Barnabas. Barnabas took a piece of property he had, he sold it, he gave it to the church and that was able to be used for all the different things they, were, they did in the very beginning. And Barnabas is singled out. It's an interesting verse. He just gets singled out because of this, this moment. Now, when we were doing this, the Daring Faith campaign, uh, inside here, there's a, there's a grid, and you're supposed to think about where you could fit on the very last page. And the top gift was $500,000. I'm like, uh, like, how in the world? Like, I, I hope I make $500,000 someday in the rest of my life put together. Like, who's going to give $500,000? Two people gave $500,000. Uh, other people gave big, big gifts. We didn't have one Barnabas. We didn't have two Barnabas. We had three, four, five, six. We had a number of people who thought, because they're generous. They're generous people. They're creative people. They thought about everything I have belongs to God. And they thought about this. How can I use it for God's purposes? I love how one guy, one guy gave a large stock gift. Very creative way. It was, it was actually more than a top gift. Uh, but he said it this way. He said, you know, I was going to give it all to you when I die. I'll just give it to you now. Uh, Mary Keenan, who you'll meet out there, uh, she says this. She says, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. And I think there's some great wisdom in that. Some of you have that ability. Maybe you have, uh, you have multiple properties and you would give one away like Barnabas. 
or maybe uh, you have stock or some of these other kind of creative things. You know how these things are, but I just want to, would you even be willing to ask God about those things? Or do you think, well, I gave my 10, the rest is mine to use for myself. I want to encourage you. One person said this, she said, this is a chance for you to do something when they made their gift. This is a chance for you to do something with your wealth that will affect generations. And I love that thought. This is a growing experience where we are basically answering a question with Jesus saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? So I want to ask you, what is it? What is it that God may be asking you? How is he asking you to respond, to give in daring faith, to sow with daring faith? Let's bow together. Let's pray. As we take these last moments to pray, ask him that question. Lord, how can I be more like this widow? How can I give to you for you? How can I give sacrificially? What are you asking me to do with faith? What are you asking me to give with faith? Let's take a moment to pray. In just a moment, we'll sing and use these songs as prayers as we end our service.